Hi, I'm Liz Winstead. I'm Mojiella Wodeal. And we're the hosts of Feminist Buzzkills, the only weekly podcast that helps you navigate the post-row hellscape. We dissect all the news from that sketchy intersection of abortion and misogyny with our guests, the abortion providers and activists working on the ground. Plus, we have amazing comedians to help us laugh through the rage. Feminist Buzzkills drops Fridays wherever you get your pod fix. Listen and subscribe, because when BS is popping, we pop off. Hi, I'm Frances Callier. And I'm Angela V. Shelton. And we're Frangela. You know what you need in your life? Hmm. The Final Word Podcast. Yes, you do. That's right. It is the final word on all things political and pop cultural. Where we make real news real funny. Where we inspire you so you can hashtag resist. Subscribe and get a new episode of the Final Word Podcast each week. It's the news we think you need to hear. That's right. We think you need to hear it. Okay. Yeah, it's what we say so. That's right. And because all we do is give, every Thursday you can listen to our hysterical podcast, Idiot of the Week. We round up the stupid because you know what? Somebody has to. Okay. All we do is give. MSW Media. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Tuesday, February 27th, 2024. Today, Ken Cheesebro concealed secret Twitter account communications from Michigan prosecutors. Manhattan DA Alvin Bragg has asked for a gag order in the upcoming election interference hush money trial of Donald Trump. Russia tied hackers issued a ransom for Fulton County trial documents. GOP Rep Ken Buck has issued a 25th Amendment resolution for President Joe Biden. Fonnie Willis and Nathan Wade had to change their phone numbers after they were published on social media. A hazmat team is spotted at Don Jr.'s house after he opened an envelope that contained a white powder. The Koch Network says it will stop funding Nikki Haley's campaign after her South Carolina primary loss. Justice Clarence Thomas has hired a racist law clerk. And students at Next Benedict's High School stage a walkout to protest bullying policies. I'm Allison Gill. And I'm Dana Goldberg. Hey, Dana. Happy Tuesday. Happy Tuesday. I started to giggle because in the intro you said a hazmat team is spotted at Don Jr.'s home after he opened an envelope that contained a white powder, the Coke Network. (laughs) And then you went on to that story. (laughs) Yeah. If you don't think that was on purpose, Mm -hmm. uh, you probably don't know me very well. Exactly. I am good. I'm good. I'm I'm, good. uh, This week has started off better. A little bit of mental health, taking care of that. And um, here smiling. Good. And we do have uh, a next Benedict follow-up, but it is a, a powerful story about their fellow students. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm uh, happy to share that story with you all a little bit later. But yeah, and we do want to say, by the way, first of all, you and I and everybody listening can agree, if in fact somebody sent a white powdery substance to Don Jr.'s house, that is bad. Do not do that. It is awful. It is horrible. Absolutely. That is wrong, but there will be jokes. I just wanted to put that out into the world uh, for everyone to understand. I do not condone that kind of behavior. 
Uh, and I, you know, if uh, they find this happened and so they find who did it, I, I'm assuming they will be prosecuted and I support that. I do as well. Uh, so I just want to get, out of that, get that out Absolutely. of the way. Absolutely. I don't think Republicans or whatever you want to call Don Jr., uh, anyone should be doxxed. I don't know how they got his home address, but it shouldn't be public knowledge, just like the phone numbers of Fonnie Willis and the other prosecutor should not be public knowledge. Yes. And um, we'll get to that story a little bit later. But the a spokesman for Don Jr. said that the, it, apparently the substance is not dangerous. So he's okay. So that's good. Well, maybe he did order it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was, you know, my first thought. I mean, every, that's everybody's first thought, whether we say it or not. Yeah. Um, so I <laughs> wanted to get that disclaimer out there. Also, Columbus, Natalie's Music Hall. There are 10 tickets left. Amazing. To see me on March 29th. Um, and I think that we might have a, a special guest. I might have a special guest joining me. Uh, and we'll let you know about that. But grab those tickets. They're almost gone. And you've got um, your shows coming up, plus your birthday show and that cool ski weekend again, yeah, right? That's right. Uh, the ski weekend is in Bend, Oregon. If you're anywhere near Central Oregon on March 8th, it's a Friday night. I've got a long comedy set. It's going to be about an hour and uh, it's going to be a blast. So you can get tickets on my website and uh, same thing for Fort Lauderdale. If you're in the Southern Florida area, we could use some gay in Florida. That's for sure. That's April 12th and tickets are on my website for the Sunshine Cathedral. So please go get them and spend my birthday with me. Yes. And you will definitely say gay. I, oh, lots. I, uh, I say gay. That. I say trans. I say bi. I'll probably say queer questioning all the other letters. Yes. Excellent. Wonderful and fantastic. Florida could use it. All right. Thank you very much, everybody. We have a lot of news to get to today, but before we get to the hot notes, we have some quick hits. And to make a long story short, too late. All right. The Manhattan District Attorney, Alvin Bragg, has asked the court for a narrowly tailored gag order ahead of Trump's first criminal trial, which is scheduled to begin March 25th. He wants Trump to be prohibited from talking publicly about lawyers, counsel, court staff and witnesses and their families, except for Alvin Bragg himself. He's like, you can talk shit about me all day. And that's if whatever Trump would say about these folks materially disrupts the pursuit of justice. We will let you know how Judge Merchan rules. I imagine that he'll probably approve this gag order. That's my beans, but we'll see. Thank you so much, A.G. And this one's from Raw Story, a Russian-based ransomware gang says it will publish pilfered Fulton County data which includes documents tied to former President Donald Trump's court case, unless it has paid a ransom. That's according to a new report from the Register. Lockbit's threat could also involve a, quote, total leak of the Fulton County data that would put various cases and sources at risk. Lockbit has set the March 2nd deadline for government officials to pay a ransom. That's according to Krebs on Security Report. And if this screws up the case and somehow gets it dismissed, I'm going to be really fucking pissed. Yeah. And this isn't the first time. I feel like we've had a, a ransom threat to remember they were going to release the whole special purpose grand jury information and mm -hmm. underlying stuff. Uh, there was a ransom there that never went anywhere. We'll see what ends up happening. It's probably Donald Trump wearing a mustache um, <laughs> Going costume. By what, what's his name? What was his name? He was doing his own PR. <laughs> Uh, Denison, Den uh, I can't remember. Denison? I, I don't know. We can't Dennis, remember. Yeah. Someone yes. out there, yeah, write it in. <laughs> that was it, Denison. And and yeah, so he's just like, yes. And uh, please remit the money and small unmarked bills to Trump Organization 2. You know, like, yes, <laughs> whatever. Uh, also, Republican Ken Buck has introduced a resolution that calls on the cabinet to remove Biden under the 25th Amendment. 
He says the her report officially addressed what many Americans have long witnessed with their own eyes. The president Biden is no longer fit to successfully discharge the critical duties of his office. Numerous instances were articulated in the report and have played out in public view showing president Biden's cognitive decline and lack of mental stamina, unquote. That's just a huge pile of bullshit and it will go nowhere because it's all untrue. It is indeed. And Donald Trump, by the way, it was John Barron and David Dennison. So yes, I, David I don't know Dennis. Why I remember that. It's bizarre. Mm-hmm. Okay, back in three. No, we didn't take that. <laughs> <laughs> you just wanted to do <laughs> You're just so used to having a, an aside and what saying back in three, two. With my brain. <laughs> but no, you, you, you're right, though. And I think the reason we know that is because didn't he used to call into the Howard Stern show all yes. the time pretending to be those people? Yes. Uh, All right. Thank you, Angie. The next quick hit. Uh, The political network financed largely by billionaire Charles Koch announced Sunday that it will no longer spend funds to support Nikki Haley's presidential bid. In an email obtained by NBC News, which was confirmed by two sources who received it, the network's advocacy arm said that following Haley's loss in South Carolina, the group no longer believes it can make a meaningful difference for her in the race. Interesting. Mm. Hmm. Yeah, because we were like, you got all the money in the world, girl, don't drop out. But now mm-hmm. she doesn't have all the money in the world. Although, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. And I've been saying, you know, she has no reason to drop out till the convention when they actually select a nominee. But the thing is, is that once Donald Trump gets to 1,215 delegates, one in the primary, he's the nominee. Yep. Uh, those delegates are bound by party rules to vote for him. They can't defect so it's like a suicide pact, you know, um, for the Republican Party. Absolutely. If they nominate him, he's the guy. Yeah. It, convicted or not, jail or not, he's the he's the dude. Anyway, next up from CNN, Zachary Cohen, Fulton County DA Fonnie Willis and her top prosecutor, Nathan Wade, received an onslaught of harassing phone calls over the weekend after their personal contact information was cited in legal paperwork from Trump's defense lawyer. That's Sadow in the Georgia case. Willis and Nathan Wade both changed their phone numbers because of an explosion of calls in recent days. And the wave of calls came in after an unredacted version of the motion, including exhibits, was shared with counsel on both sides. The reporter did not publish the records, by the way, just want to put that out there. And contact info was redacted in the eight-page motion filed publicly, but cell phone records with personal identifying information still appeared on social media, and that's according to the DA's filing. Now, the CNN, or the CNN, I sound like my mom, are you watching the MTV? Uh, the CNN <laughs> checked and couldn't find the info on social media, but it could have come from anyone that received the unredacted motions. So they had to change their phone numbers. All, All right. right. Yeah, that's the, that's the uh, quick hits. Uh, so we have more news to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes. All right. First up from CNN, Ken Chesborough, the cheese, the right wing attorney who helped devise the Trump campaign fake electors plot in 2020, concealed a secret Twitter account from Michigan prosecutors hiding dozens of damning posts that undercut his statements to investigators about his role in the election subversion scheme. That's from a CNN K-File investigation. Chesbro denied using Twitter or having any alternate IDs when directly asked by Michigan investigators last year during his cooperation sessions. 
he denied it. That's according to recordings of his interviews obtained by CNN. But CNN linked Cheesebro to the secret account based on numerous matching details, including biographical information regarding his work, family, travels, and investments. The anonymous account called Badger Pundit also showed a keen interest in the electoral college process and lined up with Chesbro's private activities at the time. The Twitter posts reveal that even before the 2020 election, and then just two days after the polls closed, Chesbro performed a far more aggressive election subversion strategy than he later let on in his Michigan interview. Chesbro's lawyers confirmed to CNN that the Badger Pundit account belonged to Chesbro, describing it as his random stream of consciousness, where he was spitballing theories about the election, but insisted that it was separate from his legal work for Trump's campaign. Chesbro has not been charged with any crimes in Michigan yet, and he sat for an hours-long interview with the state attorney general's office in early December. In his retelling to Michigan prosecutors, Chesbro cast himself as a moderate middleman who was duped by Trump's more radical lawyers. Asked about the secret tweets, Danny Wimmer, a spokesman for Michigan Attorney General Dana Nessel, said in a statement, our team is interested in the material and we'll be looking into it. Chesbro claimed to investigators that he saw the alternate slates of Republican electors as a contingency plan just to have ready in case the Trump campaign won any of its more than 60 lawsuits challenging the election results, which it didn't. He also told Michigan investigators that in his conversations with the Trump campaign, he made clear that a, quote, state legislature has no power to override the courts. But just days after the 2020 election, Badger Pundit tweeted that the court battles didn't matter and that the Republican-controlled legislatures should send their own GOP electors, predicting even then that Vice President Mike Pence could use them to throw out the election. Quote, you don't get the big picture. Trump doesn't have to get the courts to declare him the winner of the vote. He just needs to convince Republican legislatures that the election was systemically rigged, but it's impossible to run it again, so they should appoint electors instead. That's what Badger Pundit tweeted on November 7th, 2020 the day that multiple media outlets, including CNN, called the race for Joe Biden. But in his interview with Michigan investigator Dana, Cheesebro said the very opposite, claiming the entire elector's plan was contingent on the courts. Quote, I saw no scenario where Pence could count any vote for any state because there hadn't been a court or a legislature in any state backing any of the alternate electors, he said. That's what he told Michigan. Now, after the 2020 election, Badger Pundit tweeted more than 50 times that Pence had the power to count the electors benefiting Trump, and that Chesbro told investigators he felt misled by Trump and the Trump campaign for concealing the entirety of their plan from him. <laughs> he claimed that it wasn't until last year he fully realized the campaign had always intended to deploy the fake electors, regardless of the outcome of its election lawsuits. That idea was first raised in September 2020 in an article in The Atlantic, which quoted a Trump legal advisor who described using alternate electors to overturn a Trump loss. When asked by Michigan prosecutors if he had any knowledge of the Atlantic article, Chesbro said no. But Badger Pundit sure did. He tweeted about it the same day it was published. And he defended the plot. Now, big shout out to Talking Points Memo, who actually published this reporting a few weeks ago. Now, there's a ton more conflicts between what the cheese told prosecutors and what he tweeted from his sock account, you can find them all in the Talking Points Memo Report and this new CNN reporting. So good. I hope this <laughs> he's <what> a moron. 
I never heard of that uh, Atlanta article. I never, no, no, no I was no. duped. I was duped like you. I'm a victim here, just like you. What a mess. All right, this one's from the Daily Beast. Supreme Court Justice Clarence Thomas. Well, he has hired a law clerk accused of sending racist text messages. That's according to the New York Times. The Anton Scalia Law School at Georgia Mason University announced that graduate Crystal Clanton, a former Turning Point USA National Field Director, would work for Thomas during the 2024 and 2025 term. Clanton was accused in 2017 New York story of sending a text to fellow Turning Point members that read, and I quote, I hate black people. Well, that's pretty ambiguous. I, I mean, mean, I mean, it what could mean anything. Something else. You know, I mean, well, AG, of course, she has since said she didn't remember the messages. Mm. Yep. Her lack of recollection didn't prevent further uh, dust ups because of the alleged text. The federal appeals court investigated an appellate judge for hiring Clanton in 2022, but found nothing to substantiate claims of alleged racism. In that probe, Clanton got an assist from the chief justice of Atlanta's federal appeals court who hired her and Justice Thomas himself. Quote, I know Crystal Clanton and I know bigotry. Thomas, sorry, that that is fucking laughable. <laughs> I can't believe that's a quote. <sighs> I know Crystal Clanton and I know bigotry. That's what Thomas wrote at the time, according to the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. <laughs> quote, bigotry is antithetical to her nature and character. End quote. Hmm. Mm. Wow, there's just so much in there, isn't there? There really is so much to unpack. Clarence Thomas, he is a interesting fella. Mm. Okay. All right. Um, yeah, I'm sure. An onion, if you will, with many layers. <laughs> Most of them funded by Harlan Crow. <laughs> That'll do, donkey. <laughs> All right, from Joe Yakurba at NBC. At least 40 students at Owasa High School walked out Monday to protest what they describe as a pervasive culture of bullying with very little accountability, which they believe led to a student's death at their school. Next, Benedict, of course, 16, died February 8th, a day after a fight in the bathroom on the school's West Campus. In body camera footage from a police officer's interview with Nex, Nex describes how three students jumped them after they threw water on them because they were bullying them and their friend over the way that they were dressed. Nex's mother, Sue Benedict, previously told The Independent that Nex told her that they faced bullying due to their gender identity. And the reason I'm, I'm a little, reading this a little choppy is Who that wrote this? this story uh, at NBC is getting their pronouns wrong. Interesting. Friends said Nex was transgender and primarily went by he, him pronouns at school, but also used they, them pronouns, which Nex's family also uses. Several other friends said Nex preferred he, him pronouns. But in the body camera footage, when the police officer asked Nex if they ever reported the bullying to the school, Nex said, I didn't really see a point to it. Owasso students told NBC News that Nex's answer is common among their classmates. LGBTQ students and others who face bullying due to their identities feel like when they report the bullying to the school, they either aren't believed or nothing really changes. So apparently, I think CNN is using the he, him pronouns because apparently some students that they spoke to said that next preferred he, him pronouns. Okay, now I understand the confusion in the article. Sorry, it was so uh, up in arms. It's just, you know, you know. No, same. I was like, what? Why are they what? Okay, yeah. well. Uh, thank God they're not using she and her. That's, I mean, at least give them credit for that. Right. Yes. 
Uh, an Owasso High School spokesperson did not immediately reply to a request for comment on the claims. Of course not. In a letter to students sent Sunday that was shared with NBC, the school acknowledged the planned walkout and said they supported their rights to demonstrate, but they were going to be marked absent from class unless they get written permission from their parents. The walkout is not political, said Kane, a non-binary student who went to Owasso High School for 10th and 11th grade and now takes online classes for his senior year. Kane, who asked that only his first name be used for fear of being targeted further, led a five-minute moment of silence in honor of Nex. Kane said he has gone back and forth between in-person school and online classes since the eighth grade, in part due to bullying over his sexuality more than his gender identity. When he was a sophomore, a student called him and his partner the F slang and said that students casually use the N word a lot with no repercussions. Now the high school has a student body of just under 3000. That's a big school. It is. Ahead of the walkout on Monday, one counter protester made anti LGBTQ statements using a megaphone and content warning here for these comments that this anti LGBTQ person made. He made comments about AIDS and how Jesus Christ was the real man. Lesbians need. Then students holding signs stating trans youth belong surrounded that student and blocked them from sight, which I love. Now, Allie, a senior at Owasso who uses they, them pronouns, asked to go by only their first name to protect their privacy was a friend of Nex. They said they aren't out publicly about their gender identity due to fears about bullying, but they've seen friends, including Nex, face it. Quote, even if something did happen, there's no point in going to any kind of administration or teachers about it because absolutely nothing will be done. And I've seen it time and time again with my friends. That's what Ali said. Yeah. And that I don't I don't know if he's a superintendent, but the head of schools over there. Um, God, what is that jackass's name? Oh, the one who put the libs of TikTok lady in as a. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. His response. Walter, I think, is his last name. His response to Nex's death is equally as bigoted and horrifying, and I hope that uh, person is taken out of their position as soon as possible. Yes. Thank you, AG, for reporting on that. I appreciate you very much. This is from Reese Gorman at the Daily Beast. Multiple fire trucks and men in hazmat suits were spotted outside Don Jr.'s home in Jupiter, Florida. On Monday evening, after he received a letter containing an unidentified white powder inside of it, and that's according to three sources familiar with the matter. Yeah, I also, it's, uh, never mind, my little conspiracy theory just jumped up. Let me finish the story. Trump Jr., as we know, is the eldest son of former President Donald Trump, received the letter and opened the envelope, causing the white powder to fly out. That's according to one of the sources. The Jupiter Police Department did not respond to a request for comment. Donald Trump Jr. is a vocal and adamant supporter of his father, has been on the campaign trail with him often throughout the year. You know, (sighs) I'm not saying this happened. You know what? Maybe I shouldn't even go there. I just, I think he sent it to himself. Yes. Thank you very much. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just, I can see him doing something like that. Yeah. I also, I can't imagine Don Jr. Just willy nilly opening mail that he doesn't know where it's from, which is with just, I don't know, just full of white powder. The whole thing sounds suspicious to me. I, I'm, please don't spend, send anything hazardous to anybody, even, I shouldn't say he doesn't deserve that, but I'm going to say it. No one deserves that. Just, it's just hard for me to believe that this actually happened. 
Well, there's a reason for that, too. You know, it's it's not because either of us are a bad person that that that, that thought crossed our minds. It's, yeah. it's because he's he's a lying piece of shit. Yeah. And I shouldn't say it's hard for me to believe this actually happened. It did actually happen. It's hard for me right. to believe he's not the perpetrator of this crime. <laughs> That yeah, um, and I'm sure a lot of people thought that too. So yeah, you know, so right. I'm human. It happens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So we will we will find out more uh, as that goes. But like you know, like we said at the top of the show, if somebody did this to him, they need to be held accountable. Uh, held accountable for it. Hundred percent. It's not the right thing to do, as we know. All right, everybody. We have a lot of good news to get to, but we have to take a quick break. Stick around. We'll be right back. We'll be right back. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news, everyone? Then good news, everyone. Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, you want to play What the Fark is in Your Ark, send us your animal photos. Send us your pod pet tax. If you don't have pod pet tax to pay, you can send us an adoptable pet in your area or give us a shout out to a small business in your area that could use a little uh, boost or your small business. Or if you have a self shout out or a shout out to a loved one you want to send us, we love those. A shout out to VA Healthcare. If you've got a good story there, I'd love to hear it. And of course, any student debt relief stories that you have, are those are just amazing. Uh, Whoopie stories, blanky stories, stuffed animal stories. Some people have had these in their family for over a century. I think the oldest one we've had is 117 or something like that. It's amazing. amazing. Those are the greatest stories, and the photos are amazing. We're always like, that's a frightening-looking uh, ham- a homemade Grover that you've got there. <laughs> Remember the homemade Grover? <laughs> and then, of course, uh, if you have uh, baby pictures, frog orgs, anything, anything at all, send it to us. We love your good news, and uh, we would appreciate it. You can go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact to do that. First up from Mandy, no pronouns. I've been a listener since 2020. I found you on Twitter. Uh, You have been a welcome calm in the disgusting stream of orange BS over the last few years. So thank you. This message is a happy birthday to my daughter, Kira. On February 27th, she will be 20 years old. Oh, bless. Oh, to be 20. She's in her second year of college studying uh, psychology and political science. Very cool. She's smart, curious, outspoken. She's a leader who fiercely defends her friends and causes. She has a she had a tough childhood. She lost her brother to cancer at age five Mm. and then having to navigate her parents divorce at age eight being a nurse, I knew one day she would want a need to talk about these things and had her in counseling by the time she was nine. She was bullied all through school, but finally found her tribe in high school. I love that. Same, same Z's. She still hangs out with these kids today. I'm so proud to be her mom. I love the school loan messages. We're paying for Kira's college through loans. Each loan she's taken, one loan per semester for four semesters with 13000 borrowed each time and a 7.4% interest rate. It's about $75 in monthly interest on each loan. I promise to pay her interest down. That alone will be $600 a month by graduation. With an entry-level job pay rate after graduation, how are young people supposed to do this? It's untenable. Mandy, I agree. And mm-hmm. happy birthday, Kira. Absolutely. Okay, this is from M, pronouns they and her. Hello, ladies of the beans. I want to first say that I love listening to all your shows. You are a welcome distraction from all of life's annoyances. 
I do have to share some bad news, though. As our little fuzzy sausage of a dog, Artemis, crossed the Rainbow Bridge last week in her sleep. She'd been acting a little run down lately, but seeing as she was almost 12 years old, we didn't think there was an immediate concern. She was always a little source of happiness, and just looking at her sent her little rat tail whipping back and forth. We originally got her a companion for my, as a companion for our older son, Orion, the same one from Miracle League submissions, by the way, which coincidentally took place in Murfreesboro. <laughs> and I think it's Orion. Oh, oh yeah, Orion. What did I say? Orion. <laughs> I'm very creative with names, people. Hey, from uh, Orion from Murfreesboro. Well, I think I said Murfreesboro <laughs> the first, right this time. I messed up Orion, so that's how it's going. That's how um, it's at. Well, you know, swap one for the other, I guess. That's right. Even though this pup was bought for their oldest son, they always ended up sleeping with them. She would be missed even when she was annoying, demanding love and rubbing against your foot like a cat. Oh, look at this little sausage of a pup. Oh, my God. Sweet baby. Oh, what a cutie. I'm so sorry, Em. But, um, May this little sausage's memory be a blessing. Mm-hmm. All right. Shall I take these next two? Sure. Go for it. From Lee, pronouns she, her, and ma'am. Love it. I had to laugh when Dana couldn't remember how old she was. <laughs> uh, we teased my dad for that uh, when he was 48 for two years. I did the same thing a few years later. I was 28 for a couple years, then again at 42, and then 48. Some numbers are just fun to have, so claim whatever number you'd like. <laughs> I love it. And uh, from Teddy, pronouns she and her, to my most favorite wake-up podcast hosts. Oh, thank you. You need baby pictures. Yes, we do. I have ones to tickle your funny bone and warm your heart. I'm a woman of very few words, but I have 987,542 photos. So rate your feelings. On a scale of Rowan, how are you doing today? Look at that. Oh, I I think... I think I'm like bottom middle. (laughs) There you go. I think I am... Or top middle. I think I'm number three. Yeah. Oh, you're Mm. feeling good and kind of devious. Devious Mm -hmm. today. I like it. Adorable. Look at all these baby pictures. Look at the one in the basket with the blankie and the thing on the head. Oh, Rowan. Thank you for sharing these. (sighs) This one's from Mike, pronouns he and him. I love the show, especially your commitment to accuracy. Nothing makes me bail from a podcast quicker than when I hear bad info, even if I wish it was true. I'd like to play What the Mutt with Rufus. We adopted him a month ago, and he's great. He's got me walking two miles a day. He was supposed to be 65 pounds and three years ago, but the vet tells me he's 80 pounds and still a puppy. Everywhere we go, people ask what he is, and we finally got his DNA done. Oh my gosh, look at this. It's basically a polar bear. <laughs> he looks like a clumber spaniel, but those are not huge. I would say like a mastiff terrier mix, right? Like a like definitely some chow. Something beefy and a like little a dalmatian maybe? Because of the spot, the yeah, one spot, a little black spot just snuck <laughs> in. Yeah, I don't know. A terrier and I don't know. Let's go see. Let's okay. go see. Bulldog. Wow. Half bulldog, half poodle. All right. So this is a bull doodle. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you've been waiting the whole podcast to say something like that. 
Oh my God, that's amazing. Yeah. Or a poobal. Um, collie, a Scottish type collie, a Bernese Mountain Dog. Okay, we missed all of these and a St. Bernard. And a St. Bernard. Oh, look, we were told he was a Clumber Spaniel when we adopted him, but he's good. Yeah, no, that's what I thought too. Yeah. He's 100% goofball. He's very awfully cute. cute though, my goodness. Yes, he is. Yeah, super cute. Away. All right, let's go to our final submission of the day. From one tired teacher in Virginia, pronoun she and her. Hello, Beans Queens. I wanted to update and thank you for sharing my last submission and the Beans listeners for helping our teacher union make history in Virginia. Our union members will be the first in the state to vote on ratifying our contract. Although we have a mountain before us, we have started to climb. We didn't get our duty-free lunch yet. We were hoping that the unfair labor practice suit filed will help. I also wanted to share some personal good news. I recently received a letter I'd hoped for and never dreamed would happen, informing me that over $70,000 wow. of my student loan debt has been forgiven as part of the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. As almost a 60-year-old teacher, I thought I would be paying off my loans for the rest of my life. The interest was crushing me. I was stoked when President Biden initially announced the $20,000 debt forgiveness, thinking it would give me a little relief. I'll be forever grateful to President Biden and his suck it Supreme Court workaround. I can breathe again. I'm so grateful for you both and my daily beans. As an added bonus and a fellow New Mexican, yeah. Dana brings me a little land of enchantment every day. Aww. Thanks for doing what you do with humor, kindness, and respect for your beans listeners. As pet tax, I am sharing a picture of my brother and sister-in-law's new babies, Rocky and Rusty. Oh, <gasps> oh my God. I want to take them and run. They are tiny little dachshund Dogs babies. Dogs and puppies are the cutest damn things I've ever seen. Oh, amazing. Oh, um, we got a Triscadeca next. I'm oh, excited. here we go. A Triscadeca, pronoun she and her. Our family had a tough summer in 2023. A baby due in October decided to come early in July with a birth weight of two pounds. After 100 days in NICU, Maeve Grace finally came home. Mavie Grace. What a beautiful name, right? Today she is 12 pounds, four ounces. She still needs oxygen assistance, but has come so far in her short life. She may be tiny, but she is mighty. On a different note, I saw this posted and think it's a great campaign point for Biden. If I were Biden, I'd answer every question about my age with, I don't have time to dye my hair, get a spray tan, and sit in a makeup chair for 20 minutes every day because I'm busy getting shit done. That makes me look old. I really don't care. <laughs> I got that, by the way. I got that uh, that message and sent it to the White House comms team. So let's hope they so pick up on it. God, AG, look, though. Aww. Look at maybe Grace, the little tiny hand in her mama's hand. That is is amazing she oh look at that last thriving. picture i know oh she's thriving and triska Decca, i gotta say i have a i have a good friend who just the exact thing expected in october came in july born on under two pounds over 100 days in the nicu and is home and doing wonderful so that's just incredible amazing. what a that's just brilliant. Beautiful, beautiful baby. All right. Our fi I thought I thought before was our final submission, but I was wrong. <laughs> this is our final submission from Nick's pronouns she and her. Hi, AJ and DG. Thanks so much for your emotional and respectful coverage of the next Benedict story. I wish more news coverage would allow emotion and humanity to come through like that. 
Why does everything have to be so sterile? We shouldn't be desensitizing ourselves to tragedies like this one. We should all be in tears. So thank you for modeling humanity in your coverage rather than trying to hold on to some journalistic, I don't know what. I've been a storyteller my whole life. In my career as a Chicago theater maker, and more recently, my expansion into game design. Very cool. Every project I've ever been a part of has been driven by goals of getting people to listen better, to develop empathy, and to understand themselves and others better, to embrace humanness. At times, it feels like an impossible task. For the past four years, a fellow theater maker and I have been creating a role-playing game that might be the empathy-driving artistic tool I've been longing to put into the world. In the game, instead of playing separate characters and running off to have adventures together, the players all share control of one character. Kind of like the Pixar movie Inside Out. Each player must represent a set of drives and desires inside our hero. And while that hero does still go off and have adventures, a lot of the time, a lot of the game is also about those internal voices taking out the hero's inner decisions, conflicts, and questions. Excuse me, talking out the hero's inner decisions, conflicts, and questions. My friend and I, a queer man and a neurodivergent woman, are first-time game developers. And we're not working with a publisher. I created the company myself to publish the game. The game is called Divination RPG, and we're trying to bring it to life. My friend and I really believe this game can foster conversations that make change, and maybe some fellow Leguminati would think so too. There's going to be a link in the show notes to more info about the game, everyone. Uh, as pet tax, and for a much-needed giggle, I've attached a collage of our uh, one of our three cats, Lulu, just generally being weird. Thanks so much for all the light you bring into a difficult world, ladies. Keep doing what you do. Hmm. Next, thank you for that submission. Thank you uh, so much means a lot. Look at this goofball cat. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Sitting side saddle on the keyboard. Oh my Aww. god. It's almost like a, you know, a Weimariner. They just yeah. love getting their photos taken and they're posing all the time. This is what this cat reminds me of. Yep. Yep. The top right one is great too. Hmm? That's just the face, the expression. Wow. Thank you so much. What an incredible set of good news stories that we had today. If you have good news, you can send it to us at dailybeanspod.com and click on contact. Thank you so, 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 so much. Um, seriously, we couldn't do this without you guys. So it's very true. I appreciate you. Do you have any final thoughts today, my friend? Just sending everyone love. I hope you're taking some mental health moments. Um, you know, AG sends me, um, we have scripts obviously for the show and I just want to give her some some credit right now because she's watching out for the people she loves and you were both supposed to read stories and she sent me the the script and asked if I wanted to switch out Nexus story. And as much as I want the stories told, I'm also trying to take care of a little mental health. And obviously the story was empowering and the kids are going to lead us, but you know, your friends will look after you. And so AG, thank you for looking after me. And those of you out there, if you have someone in your life that may need you to pick up a story theoretically, so they don't have to take it, do it. It's no skin off your back and it'll help them out. So just take care of each other. Oh, no, it's my honor to work with you, my friend. So you as well. Uh, and you would do the same for me and you have done the same for me. So absolutely, <laughs> thank you right back at you. Everybody will be back in your ears tomorrow. Maybe we'll get that fucking immunity decision oh, from the please. goddamn Supreme Court with their new racist clerk. I'm in a little bit of a mood about it. You might or might not be able to tell. <laughs> Clarence Thomas, I know what it's like. I know what bigotry is about. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. You sure do, um, Mr. Anti-LGBTQ+. Anyhow, we'll be back in your ears tomorrow. Until then, please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Take care of your family. Vote blue over Q. And take everyone you know with you. 
I've been AG. And I've been DG. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW Media. <laughs>